Welcome to the Prophetic Collective Podcast. My name is Stacey and I'm so excited that you are joining me for season two of this podcast where we talk all things living a prophetic life. We have so many great conversations coming up, all purpose to equip and inspire you and to get you thinking about how God might be speaking to you and through you today. Yes, you. So let's go. Welcome to the Prophetic Collective Podcast Season 2. To kick off this brand new season, we are going on an 11 episode journey where we answer one of life's most defining questions. What is worship to you? Is it slow songs during a church service? Is it only for people who can sing? What if worship was more than a song and more than an experience within the four walls of the church? What if there was more to worship even than what we have experienced so far? What if we could unlock the fullness of worship and see it transform our everyday lives? These are the questions that Stacey tackles in her first book, Worship Is. These are also the questions we will tackle in this collection. And available to you today, as valued listeners of the Prophetic Collective, is a very special offer. Head to stacyhillier.com and purchase your very own copy of Worship Is using the code PROPHETICCOLLECTIVE, all in caps, and you will get free express postage. Also available to podcast listeners is a free workbook that you can complete as you join in this Worship Is collection. Designed to be used with both the book and podcast collection, you can download your free copy at stacyhillier.com under the free resources tab. Well, hi everyone. It is so great to be back with you and I have had such a good break. And during the summer, God's given me so, 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 so many things to say. So much to say, which for those who know me is not a surprise. I am chomping at the bit to get back to our conversations. And as you've just heard, to kick off 2022, we're going to start a collection that's all about the prophetic life because we can't live a prophetic life if we are not all about intimacy, all about worship. And today I've got a friend with me to chat about this as we start with our first topic, which is worship is biblical because I wouldn't start anywhere else. And so I'll introduce my friend in just a moment. But if you have a copy of the book, this is the introductory chapter. Also, make sure you do download the workbook and take the time to go a bit deeper. It's got bonus content. And so I'm really praying that that is going to take you deeper with Jesus. So one of my absolute favorite games to play on social media is when people put up a photo and then they say, caption this. And normally it's like a a funny or an awkward moment in their life. And I just love seeing what my friends comment. In fact, I had this just last week. I was in a coffee shop having a coffee on my way into church and a friend popped in and she said, look at my arm. And she just had a COVID booster shot and she had her shot on one section of her arm. And then the poor nurse who'd probably done a million shots that day had put the cotton wool and the tape way further up on her arm, nowhere even near the injection site. And I said to her, should have gone to Specsavers and then said to her, hey, you should put that caption on social media, see what people say. This is how much I love this game. I'm playing it even when people aren't asking me to. And so when I wrote this book, Worship Is, this is what I wanted the book to be like. I wanted people to think about how would they caption what worship is in their life and that perhaps throughout the journey of reading the book and us through this podcast, maybe even through the workbook, that your answer today might be different by the time we get through these discussions. So I want you to pause the podcast now or just think about it as you're listening. How would you caption that today? If I said to you, worship is dot, 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 what's the first thing that comes to mind? And let's hope that throughout these discussions, maybe you'll receive confirmations, perhaps you'll reassess. But I do want to say to those who are listening today, if you're not a musician, you're not a singer, don't tap out right now because there's so much more to worship. And this book was actually the result of some prophetic words. In fact, I got three people in one day who sent me a text message. I mean, I wanted to write a book my whole life, but I was like, what would I write about? And Lord knows I had no time to write it. But I was away in Perth doing something with some friends for church and within the space of about an hour received three separate text messages 
one from Adelaide, one from Dubai, and one from Melbourne, all saying, now is the time to write the book. And I got the hint and I was in the car with um, my senior leaders, Pastor Corey and Sim and a friend of ours, Kai. I said, well, look, I'm getting these text messages. What the heck would I write about? And they all kind of looked at me like, are you joking? Do you think maybe you should probably write about worship? And I was like, point taken. Guess I better get on with it. (laughs) So on that flight home from Perth, I began the book. Now, what I really wanted to do as someone who was raised as a good Baptocostal was include lots and lots of theology, but also make it conversational in style. So the introduction was my solution to appease the Baptist in me. The rest of the book is the Penty in me. So the intro is like a glossary of biblical terms for worship from the Old Testament through to the New Testament. And I've put it at the start of the book. Why? Well, because the only way to understand the practice of worship is to start with what God says worship is, and the Bible is full of it. So to help me with my discussion today, I've got a friend with me who really needs no introduction. He's a friend of the podcast but I'm going to give him a good one anyway. This is my mate, Joel, and he is the global worship pastor at Numa Church. He's also a world-class musician who plays multiple instruments. Might ask him about that in a moment. He's a world-class MD and a prophet. And for those of you working your way through the workbook, you will see tracks linked for the Stillness album by Numa Worship. And Joel is the musician and writer of all but one of those tracks, which just hit over 200,000 downloads, Joel. His friend, his family to me, I wouldn't want to do life without him. Welcome to season two, Joel. Well, thanks for having me again, Stace. So welcome. While we're um, here in this intro bit, tell everyone, how many instruments do you play? Uh, on the regular, like I, I play a few, mm-hmm. um, and then there's some in the archives that I haven't touched for quite a while. I, um, I just work my way through the typical band instruments as a sort of a teenager, you know, <laughs> yeah. got bored and distracted and want to play the next thing. So, uh, started on guitar, then worked my way to keys, then wanted to play bass and then I had to have a drum kit as well. So mm. finally convinced my parents to get me a drum kit. And uh, and so those are the main ones. I also learned saxophone. Saxophone was the one instrument that I learned to play properly. I had a music teacher and all, and that's the one instrument I pretty much do never touch anymore. So <laughs> go that, figure. That and might be about to change. <laughs> oh Lord, um, yeah. Well, I, hopefully for everyone's sake that that isn't. Um, but uh, yes, that is of great uh, grief to my parents who paid for many a year of music lessons. <laughs> Look, full disclosure here, I was actually the queen of the recorder band. Uh, That's a very weird flex, as my children would say. But I graduated. I didn't just have a normal recorder. I actually got put on like the big one. And then I got given the piccolo one as well. It was just really wherever the gap was in the recorder band, Stace filled it and filled it like a boss. That. That is amazing. What is the name of that actual recorder? Is it like bass recorder or what's uh, the, There is a bass one, a, which actually becomes wooden rather than plastic. Yes. And it looks a little bit similar, uh, maybe a bit like an oboe, but not kind of. And it does have like this weird reed on the top. Mm. Whereas um, the piccolo one is just a tiny plastic one. Yep. Uh, they're super fun, you know. <laughs> yeah. So if you ever need to pop me on roster, really bring the anointing. You're I welcome. don't know if PCO has a recorder <laughs> position. For Massive a fail for PCO, really missing out. I know. Anyway, we should probably get on with the real stuff. So, I Joel, if you had to finish that sentence, worship is, how would you finish it? Okay, I would answer it in that worship is why we were created. Mm. Um. I know some people might have an issue with that and say, you know, we were created for a relationship or we were made to enjoy God and be enjoyed by him, all of which is Mm -hmm. true. But I believe that we are worshipful beings um, and we are wired to worship something or someone. And Mm -hmm. worship isn't just a Christian experience. It's a human experience. Uh, And when God breathed life into Adam, 
you know, he breathed in his his breath, his ruach, his pneuma into his lungs and he became a living being. And as he inhaled and exhaled, he inhaled and exhaled the breath of God. And that breath has been continuing ever since throughout the generations. And I think that we are closest to our true selves when we worship. And That's I think right. that we are closest to God when we worship him. And, uh, and I came across this really cool quote the other day by William Temple, uh, who was the Archbishop of Canterbury during the Second World War. Mm-hmm. And uh, he had, this is how he actually answered this caption. So I'm mm. going to steal his. Come on, um, Billy Temp, bring worship. it home. <laughs> <That's> it. <laughs> worship is the submission of all of our nature to God. It is the quickening of conscience by his holiness the nourishment of mind by his truth, the purifying of imagination by his beauty, the opening of the heart to his love and submission of will to his purpose. And all this gathered up in adoration is the greatest of human expressions of which we are capable. Love that. That's profound. Mm. And that's a pretty long caption and a very, Mm. very powerful one. Joel, you know that on the cover of the book, it's actually got penciled in on there some of people's responses, and these were Mm. real. So I actually asked random people to complete that sentence, and some people said worship is not for me. Some people said worship is singing and I'm not a good singer. And I really wanted to include some of the myths so that we could talk about those as well as Mm. some of the power of it. So let's start with our English definition of worship. The word's actually made up of two words, worth and ship. So it's us ascribing worth to God or declaring that he is worthy. C.S. Lewis says our natural response is to praise that which brings us delight. Our natural response as humans is to praise and give worth to things that impress us. Now, for example, I know recently, Joel, you went to the soccer. You would have seen lots of people responding to things that they thought had worth or was amazing. This is people's natural inbuilt response to greatness. We cheer, we ooh, and we are. We're designed and created to live in wonder. And so the question really becomes not do you worship, it's where will we ascribe that worth? What will we decide is the most worthy in our life? We're all worshippers, but what are we worshipping? So I want to go all Old Testament for a few moments, and we're going to look at some of the words that were used in the Hebrew language for worship, and we're growing our worship vocabulary here and Joel, today's episode might be a little longer than the others. That's okay. People can break it up because we do just want to give a really good biblical foundation that's really important to me as a collective of prophetic people. Absolutely. Yeah, it's important. So let's start with our first one, which is Hoa. 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 There it is. You said it so much better than me. (laughs) Hoa. It's kind of like karate chop. (laughs) Uh, Sure. (laughs) Which is bowing down. I think we just... We just lost everyone on the first word there. <laughs> oh, wow. Nah, I think they love it. So we're bowing down out of reverence or respect, which is why we're talking about the word so reverently right now. Yeah. Um, and culturally, in Bible times, this wasn't just to God, but to kings and leaders at a, as a sign of respect. And this is why all throughout the Old Testament, you actually see that when a king or a prophet or somebody great came into the scene, people would often bow down. This was a cultural response. In Exodus 33.10, when the people saw the pillar of cloud at the entrance of the tent, they would would bow down with their faces to the ground in worship. So Joel, let's talk about for a moment, what do we normally do at the end of every praise song in our Pentecostal church movement? (laughs) We lift up a mighty shout of praise yep, um, and clap our hands and make some noise, all those things. Yeah, right. And when we don't engage in this mindlessly and just because it's what we do, have you ever felt anything shift or change? Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's such a, a powerful thing when we, we do engage in it. And I think, like you said, sometimes we we fall into the trap of just doing it mindlessly or just Mm -hmm. because 
Mm. Um, but when we do actually engage in that moment and mm-hmm. understand it, this is why I love this chapter um, in in the book and the biblical definitions because mm-hmm. it actually gives purpose and reason to why we do what we do, right. and it's not just ah oh, we do this because we're Pentecostal or yes. whatever uh, denomination that we find ourselves in. Um, but there is is actually a reason behind it and a good p- biblical purpose behind it as well. And so I feel when I engage in it meaningfully, it shifts my attention onto God and what he's done for me yes. um, in my life. And so it's a chance to really engage purposefully and loudly and give him, uh, you know, give him the praise that he is due and he is worthy of. So good. I love when John eight thirty two talks about you will know the truth, the truth of God's word, and it will set you free. So by going through these definitions and discovering the truth of God's word, some things we do mindlessly practice become powerful for us because we find out the truth behind the words. So this actually brings us to definition two, what we're mm-hmm. talking about right now. But I want to loop back for a second to how what. Because this actually reminds me of a moment in a movie where people like do that bowing. I'm pretty sure it was Wayne and Garth and they're like, we're not worthy, we're not worthy. That is literally what Hoa looks like. So when you see someone on their face in the auditorium, that is Hoa. And the only appropriate person to do that to, I'll say, we're not worthy, only you are worthy, is God. So this moment we've just talked about that you see a lot at the end of songs is actually halal. That is not just Mm. a delicious snack pack. It means to praise by listing out the attributes and actions of God and often includes a shout or a song. And it's meant to be a moment where people engage their minds, their hearts, their mouths, their words, their hands in declaring who God is and what he has done. And so the next time the worship leader leads this moment, Don't just think, oh, this is what we do in between songs so it's not awkward. Engage your mind in who God Mm -hmm. is and what he's done for you. Forget everybody else around you. Start to clap your hands because he's been good to you. Start to declare who he is to you out loud. And when we all do that individually, but together collectively in a room, the atmosphere begins to shift. Not Mm -hmm. when we just do it out of routine, but when we engage intentionally. Think about it. When each individual does this, they bring who God has been to them, what he's done in their life. They add it to what God's done in the next person's life and then the next person down the aisle and the person on the platform and the person behind you. And then the atmosphere is filled with the attributes and actions of God and his presence manifests. So we don't pass this moment off as happy clappy. When we engage in it proactively, it is biblical and powerful. And again, Joel, we see halal at sporting matches, at the cricket, at the soccer. They literally write songs of praise to their teams. You're a good English boy. Um, What's a good soccer song that's halal? I don't think uh, I can sing them here (laughs) because uh, it might change the rating on your podcast. (laughs) (laughs) If I haven't done that yet, it's not going to happen. But for example, Aussie, 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 oi, 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 that's a halal chant. These are the kinds of things that we're talking about when they're not attributed to Christ. These people are worshipping. It's halal. It's just misplaced. Okay, let's move to our next one, which is tahila, not tequila, tahila. (laughs) (laughs) And this is actually, in all seriousness, Joel, one of my favourites. Because this is a spontaneous song of praise reserved for God alone. So the other two we've talked about can be misplaced, but this word is specific to God alone. And it's whether spontaneous or planned, these songs describe the praiseworthy characteristics of God. In Isaiah 61.11 we read, For as the earth brings forth its sprouts, and as a garden causes what is sown in it to sprout up, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to healer to sprout up before all the nations. Now I love this imagery because God's people, like a garden with seeds that God sows into our lives, sprouting out of us as to heal a praise for all the world to see. And so his work literally grows out of us in song. 
And I think, Joel, one of my favourite times is hearing the church engage in these moments. Absolutely. You know, when the church even takes over from our leadership and they just sing their own love song of praise to God. They're not concerned with, am I a good singer or not? They understand that it's their connection with God and it might start with one person, but it grows as it starts to sprout forth from everyone. Have you got a story about when you've seen this happen when you've led worship? Yeah, I'm... It does, it's such, it's actually the best when, uh, you know, for a worship leader, we often talk about we our job is to work ourselves out of a job yeah. uh, and step out of the way. And so when yes. this happens, it's it's the most beautiful thing. Yes. Um, and uh, I think it was, I might be getting the date wrong, but it, I think it was Pentecost Sunday mm-hmm. last year um, where we had a moment where we, you know, brought the worship set down and sort of finished the song it was coming to a low moment Mm -hmm. and as we were just waiting in that moment just this sort of uh I guess ebb and flow of worship started to come out of the congregation as people weren't sort of waiting on us to move the moment forward or Mm -hmm. tell us what was happening Mm -hmm. next Mm -hmm. um but they were just so engaged in worshiping Jesus, in, mm-hmm. in, in turning their adoration on God, uh, that they just began to break forth in song as well. Mm-hmm. And then we actually then <laughs> went with them yeah. uh, as opposed to the other way around. And, and that's one of my standout moments that, that I remember. Yeah, I love that. And the direction of Tehillah Praise is earth to heaven. Mm-hmm. And it's important as prophetic people we've talked about in other episodes that the direction of the prophetic is heaven to earth, but the direction of Tehillah praise, Tehillah worship, a song of Tehillah is earth to heaven. It's like a prayer to God put to melody and it's powerful. And I love it when a worship leader sings out this way, the congregation and a worship leader, it's spontaneous, it's loving, it's devoted, and you get caught up in their intimacy with the Lord It's prayer in a song. And you and I have been part of some pretty amazing moments where we have seen this take off. And I just love that one you shared there about Pentecost Sunday, Joel. Did you have another one you wanted to share? Um, Yeah, we had one even just the Sunday just gone before we were recording this where, again, it it sort of we finished a song Mm -hmm. and um, I just sensed in, in the room that there was an opportunity to just worship Jesus. Yes. Um, and so there was this real uh, sensitivity in the room, I yeah. felt, where people could just take a moment and pause yes. and just begin to either in prayer or in song mm-hmm. to lift up their worship of mm-hmm. Jesus. Um, and so that was, you know, it wasn't loud or and it wasn't raucous or anything mm. like that. It was just a sweet moment where people could, again, yeah, sing out their own song, that Tehillah worship, list out the attributes mm. of Jesus and, and who he is and what he's done for us uh, in that moment. So that, that was just a recent example. Yeah, I love it. It's so beautiful. We're going to fly through the next two definitions uh, quite quickly. The next one is karub, and this is when we draw near and approach God in worship. And it describes the sacrifices of the Levitical priests on behalf of the people. And the sacrifice was the worship. And so as New Testament believers, we know that Jesus became the once and for all sacrifice and he changed worship forever. But this was an important Old Testament word because without Karab, without the work of the Levitical priests, it was actually impossible for people to worship God. And you know, Joel, that this was because in the Old Testament, God's rule of his people was outside in. He put external measures in place and there were external things that had to be done by priests and intermediates, intermediaries, so that the people could worship God. Whereas in the New Testament, the kingdom of God goes from being laws on tablets of stone to, as Jeremiah prophesied, his word gets written on our heart. We have the Holy Spirit inside of us, not affecting us from the outside in, but the inside out. And so our worship, we can come right up close and personal because Jesus became our once and for all sacrifice. Our next one is the word rum. I feel like we're just going through your liquor cabinet, Joel. 
<laughs> and rum is no a comment. word. <laughs> rum is a word that describes moving things from one level to another. This is really interesting, Joel, because people often say, why did you stay on that praise song so long? Or why do we have to sing this song over and over? And normally it's because you can sense that God is shifting and moving things in people's lives. This is when we exalt something. We lift up and we exalt God by literally building a platform or a foundation of praise. And so if we want our worship to go to another level, literally, or the atmosphere in a room or a meeting, rum is what you need, lol. (laughs) I knew it. Rum worship, people. Stay with me. Come on. I thought you were sanctified. So we're building a new level by praising. And as we build a platform of praise, what we do is we actually dethrone anything that has taken his place in our lives and we put him back on the throne of our hearts. Now, this is a podcast for all people, not just worship leaders, but let me talk to worship leaders for a moment. If you're hitting a moment where you are feeling like you need to break through, you need yourself some rum. (laughs) (laughs) You need to bring people to this moment where they exalt God. They don't talk about, I feel this in response to you, God. I feel this because you've done this for me. Pure exaltation of who God is and his character traits. And you will literally build a platform for your congregation to go to another level. But personally, you can apply that as well. In your devotional life, if you're feeling a bit stuck or a bit stale, What does Psalm 103 say? Enter his gates with thanksgiving, enter his courts with praise. Build yourself a platform of praise and watch things shift. So if you're stuck in your Bible reading, stop. And just for a moment, list out who God is. Exalt his holy name. Exalt who he is as a person and you watch yourself go to a different level. So Joel, I have to admit, sometimes why I get a little bit frustrated when people say things like, Let's get praise out of the way and get to the real worship. And I understand that this is why conversations like this are so important because without the levels that praise builds of faith, let alone the unifying factor, we actually can't scripturally reach the heights in our worship that we want to reach unless every single person comes having built their own personal platform, which if we're honest, in most cases isn't going to be what's happened. So as someone who leads worship a lot or who's on the platform a lot as worship is led, what do you see this kind of praise doing in people, Joel? Well, yeah, like you say, I totally hear that frustration Mm. and I know that I've been guilty of it myself even when I'm forming worship lists um, we're like, yeah, what praise songs can we do Um, and all that kind of thing and kind of downplay their role. Um, It was actually though... Recently, I was putting together some training material for our worship leaders um, in in looking at church history and worship through the Old Testament and New Testament Mm -hmm. um, that I really appreciated in a greater depth what praise is because I think we do relegate our praise songs to just being, oh, it's there to get the energy up in the room or, you know, to create some sort of Pentecostal hype or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, But actually... When we look at, you know, we're talking about the Old Testament. When we mm-hmm. look at our worship sets, they actually mirror that Old Testament tabernacle typology. Yep. And from us moving from the outer court to the inner court. That's right. And that's why we read the psalmist says, you know, enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with yep. praise. It's that praise that takes us from outside of the presence, outside of that tabernacle, mm-hmm. into the inner courts. And it's actually not mm-hmm. until we praise that our hearts are open mm. enough and our attention is focused enough to be able to worship. That's right. So we first praise God for what he has done. We bring our collective testimony mm-hmm. and we praise him for his wonderful acts and what he has done. And then our hearts are ready to worship him for who he is and for his character and for his greatness. And so, you know, it's it's not just the two fast songs that we sing at the beginning of a service, uh, but it, it's to bring us to a place yes. where we can encounter his presence and worship him. No longer than are we just 
you know, thinking about what he's done, but we are very conscious of who God is and and his person and his character. That is brilliant. And, you know, when I talk to people who are like, you know, I just find worship hard because I'm not a singer or, you know, I'm not a musician and I just find that time difficult to engage in. One of the things I ask them is, do you come to church on time? Or do you avoid the first section because you find it so awkward? Because biblically, let me love you enough to tell you, if you don't engage in those first few moments, your heart's ability to have its gates opened and to Mm. engage in even the word, the bringing of the word, bringing of your tithe, receiving in an altar call what God might be wanting to shift and change in your life, biblically, the opportunities are diminished because the soil of your heart has not been softened and opened and a platform has not been built for God to work. So So sometimes we come late thinking we're avoiding awkwardness. Actually, we're ripping ourselves off spiritually. And even in our personal devotional lives, as prophetic people start to incorporate this kind of praise and worship. Now you're hearing these truths into your personal devotional life and start to see what happens. Okay, our next one, Joel, is Zamar, and you are expert ninja boss level at this. And this is to sing or play an instrument for worship. And what's really important about this one is it's making a melody without words to God in reflection upon his attributes and his salvation. So when we sing in a praise song, things like na, 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 oh, hope I don't get copyrighted for that. We are not singing mindless things. I think you're safe. (laughs) we're not actually singing mindless things in those moments we're responding in melody with a melodic emotion to what we are noticing about God's character and who he is and we've had some really powerful moments in this Joel I remember that time when you just started playing a melody on the keyboard and this was actually during lockdown so you might have blocked it out because we were doing so many (laughs) pre-recorded services but see if you can go back there I'll go back. Yeah, and the melody you were playing was so beautiful and then um, I began to sing over it. I mean, what were you hearing in that moment? How were you operating this in this? How did you know what to play? Because it's the perfect example of Zamar. Yeah, it's a great question. Um, <laughs> I think we spoke about this uh, sort of topic in, in our previous discussion on, on your podcast. Um, so when I... And, and I do love this Samar because in learning about it gave validation to, I yeah. guess, what has been my uh, way of worshipping um, or one of the key ways that I've worshipped all my life through music. Um, and so um, when I hear melody, I hear words. Mm. You know, some people hear you know, or see shapes, some people see colours in mm. music and and you know, images and those types of things, I tend to hear words. And so I'm not a, a lyricist um, by any stretch of the imagination. So I find it when I get an impression or when I hear a phrase or word in my spirit that I feel that God is wanting to release, uh, my natural, the way that God has wired me is to play that out. Yeah. Uh, and that's because of years spent behind a keyboard um, in my own personal time and playing out my whatever I'm feeling before God. And so that's kind of how we communicate back and forth to each other. And so now it's uh, such a blessing to be able to minister that over Mm. people as well. And I I love the fact that music is the language of the soul. That's right. um, And that sometimes words aren't enough to express what we're feeling and what we're sensing. And so it's... um, it's God's way, I believe, the gift of music is a, a way of transcending some of those barriers, some of those, uh, you know, word barriers or language barriers right. that we might have. And it just goes straight to the depth of our soul. And so that's, yeah. It's exactly right. Amazing. It's beautiful. And I feel like what was happening in the particular moment we're talking about, but in other times, mm-hmm. is we are hearing heaven's melody over yep. his children and then we get to echo it here on earth. And you're right. Sometimes it's so much more powerful without the subjectivity of words and phrasing. Um, and sometimes all you can do is lift a melody because there are no words. That's right. Well, the very first word for worship in the Bible, Joel, is abad. 
And it means to work as an act of worship. And this is so important because of the law of first mention. And this is the first expression of worship for our people. It was to work. So when we section off our worship life to what we do at church or just what we do in the secret place and we don't approach our work as worship, we're actually not living biblically. And I wonder how many people would complete or caption that sentence worship is with the word work. I bet not many. In fact, I think most people would say, oh, I get my work out of the way and then have my worship life. Mm -hmm. But we're going to talk more on that in a future episode, so I'm not going to stay long on that one. So, Joel, we're going to come back in just a moment and we're going to pick up in the New Testament. Did you know that Stacey also has a guided prayer podcast? Contemplative prayer is a rich, deep and rewarding way to encounter Jesus and the Scriptures. With instrumental scores written to empower your encounters with Jesus, these prayers are a chance to be still and to step out of the hustle of today's fast-paced world. Available wherever you get your podcasts by searching Guided Prayers with Stacey Hillier. Alrighty, let's jump to the New Testament. And we can already see that just by learning the biblical definitions and expressions, how much opportunity there is for us to grow in our personal and corporate expressions of worship. And even Joel, I found to engage more wholeheartedly in the ones that are already in place because we understand them now. That's the beauty Mm. of studying the Bible, right? Absolutely. So when it comes to the New Testament, we're now talking Greek words because the setting of the New Testament was Greco-Roman culture. So we're going to start with this one. Say this after me, everybody, proskuneo. (laughs) which means to bow down and to worship as a sign of worship and to kiss towards. Now, this is similar to our Old Testament word, hawa. It's the same motion of bowing down. In 1 Corinthians 14, 24 to 25, which prophetic people love to quote, we read, but if all prophesy and an unbeliever or outsider enters, He is convicted by all. He is called to account by all. The secrets of his heart are disclosed. And so falling on his face, he will worship. This is this word proskuneo. Fall on his or her face and kiss towards God and declare that God is really among you. What I love about this scripture, Joel, is that we're talking about an unbeliever coming into a worship service, receiving a revelation of who God is through the prophetic word, And they don't fall down and immediately repent for their sins. They fall down and they respond to who God is and they kiss towards him. They fall and they worship. I love that. Mm -hmm. And it reminds me of when the woman anointed Jesus' feet with her tears and she wiped them with her hair and anointed him with oil in Luke 7. In verses 45 to 47, it says that from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her, she, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she has loved much. What a beautiful picture, hey? Mm. Our next New Testament word is a word that will sound a little bit familiar because it's like one of our English words. It's eulogio. This is where we get our English word eulogy. And Jesus himself worshipped the Father in this way. In Matthew 14, he took the bread and broke it and looked up into heaven and said a blessing. This is this word here. And notice, this is an important thing to notice in Scripture because you'll see it several times, that the miracle of provision with the five loaves and two fish came after Jesus' act of worship, Jesus' act of eulogio. And this is often the biblical way. We magnify God's mighty deeds and thank him, and then the breakthrough comes. Then the miracle comes. Brokenness, thanks, and breakthrough. If you even think about uh, Jesus on the cross, our breakthrough came because he was broken for us. Our next one is SIBO. This is when we worship God through acts of devotion. And when this was talked about in the New Testament, Jesus offered some advice on making sure that the people's devotion to God was not for religious appearances or external appearances, but a posture of the heart. And Joel, we have to watch this today, even, don't we? In congregations, in church, we're more concerned with what other people are thinking. Am I worshipping the right way? Am I going full YMCA? Am I powder caking? (laughs) 
Have I got one arm up? Am I doing all the right things? Because we know how to behave, Absolutely. right? Don't we? Yes. Yeah. 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 So we, I love, there's so many learned behaviors, right? Yes. Yeah. And so I love that Jesus addressed that. He's like, look, I get you guys. I know you. I got you. Let's talk about SIBO worship. Let's make sure they're true acts of devotion, not people pleasing acts. Okay, next one, we're flying through these New Testament ones because there's so many good ones and I know where I want to land. Threskia. This is one I want to focus on, Joel. So if you've got your wet book or your um, your book in front of you, underline or highlight this one. Because as I studied these words, I actually realized that this was missing from my own expression of worship to God. And I feel that this is key for some people listening today who are like, well, you guys are musicians, singers, you're talking a lot about uh, melodic expression. Well, here's one for you that is included in the Bible. In James 1, 27, we read, actually, Joel, do you want to read that for me? James 1, 27. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God, the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. So this word threskia speaks of acts of devotion to God that result in a change in the way we live life that shows concern for others that reflects God's character. So we often don't think of loving orphans and widows as an act of worship. We call that charity. So we think of Mother Teresa. We would say she lived a life of sacrifice and service. But actually, she lived a Romans 12-1 life. It was worship. It was threskia, and it was beautiful to God. And Joel, one of the things that I really pondered as someone who gets to steward worship teams and even in my own personal worship life, how am I worshiping in this way? Do I express mm-hmm. worship in this way? You know, I've got sponsored children and stuff, but that's something that's automated from my account. Every now and again, one of the kids sends them an email I've tried very intentionally since I studied this word to stop and go, this sponsorship of this child is worship. This is threskia. And when I'm sending an email to this child to connect with them, how am I showing God's love to them? Because that is worship. And I don't have to be musical at all. It's not charity. It's worship to God and he loves it. What do you reckon about that one? Yeah, it's... It's such an important thing. I think as well, that's the trap that we fall into, especially if we are in worship leaders or on worship teams, is that we we can tend to box in our worship yes. to our, our service in a church setting mm-hmm. um, and and we forget these acts of worship, kind of like that about in the, the, yeah. the Old Testament, that working, mm-hmm. but these acts of worship to others. And it reminds me of when Jesus was you know, uh, sort of giving warning to how people will say to him before him, you know, didn't yeah. we do this in your name? Didn't we do that in your yeah. name? Talking about acts of service, you know, in, in terms of, you know, spiritual works. But he'll say to them, I didn't know you, you know, yeah. depart from me. But it's those who who cared for the poor, who visited those in prison. Yes. Um, and, and they're the ones who say, oh, how, how did we do that to you? How did we clothe you? I'm mm. doing a really bad job of paraphrasing that's this. Great. But, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it's those, that's the worship that Jesus is looking for as well. Yeah. And for leaders of worship teams who might be listening, are you pushing your team in this way? Are you encouraging them in this way? Because we often get so hung up on how we handle our instrument, how our voice sounds, and we put hours and hours and hours into that stuff. I want our teams, I want my life to be somebody who worships this way and puts as much priority on worshiping in this way than in the ways where I get public accolades. And I suspect there's one God might value and love even more, mm. right? <laughs> okay. That's great. Only a couple more to go. Camp toe. This is bowing down as a sign of religious devotion or humility. And Paul described this in Ephesians 3.14 when he wrote, for this reason I bow my knees before the, the Father. So Paul was literally bending his knees in prayer for worship. When I want to ask you, when was the last time you knelt in worship, whether you were singing or praying? You know, Joel, I had one of our singers on platform ask me the other day, hey, if I feel like God's telling me to kneel, am I allowed to? And I just Mm -hmm. looked at her and I said, I'm so glad you asked that. You're basically asking me, are you allowed to do what we've put you on a roster to do, which is lead worship? Mm -hmm. 
Do you know that when you kneel, that's worship? And who knows what that might do to somebody else in the congregation? It might just give them permission to worship God with campto because it's an internal attitude that affects our external posture. And it's really important to state because the moment an external posture becomes about others or external indicators, it's no longer worship, just like with SIBO. So anything we do do with our bodies, we have to make sure it is all about God. But kneeling, when you pray, when you worship in your personal devotional life, that is a way to worship God. And you don't even have to sing to do it. All right, our final one, Jolly, is doxazo, which is to praise and glorify God in worship or deed. And this speaks to particularly when we model our lives upon the life of Jesus, that that glorifies and worships God. This one's profound and very important. In 1 Corinthians 6.20, we read, For you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. That glorify there is doxazo. Doxazo God in your body. We worship God by offering our lives to him as living sacrifices, which we find in Romans 12. And this brings him glory. So in summary, Joel, we're going to unpack all of those throughout our chapters and episodes, etc., We've just heard worship is so many things. It is shouting, it is praying, it is playing instruments, it is singing, it is serving, it is working, it's taking care of widows, it's kneeling, it's glorifying God in our bodies, it's all of these things and more. And Joel, as someone who's spent their life really leading worship and growing in worship, When you study those biblical uh, definitions and descriptions, which one resonated or was highlighted to you and and why? So many good ones. Um, I really like, even just from talking about it again today, that Thruskia Mm -hmm. uh, is definitely one that I want to go back to and Mm -hmm. look at again and challenge myself in. Mm -hmm. Obviously, like we were already talking about before, that Zamar is is one that's very close to my heart. And like I said earlier, I think because I didn't understand it, especially in a corporate setting, so I kind of downplayed music uh, as a vehicle for worship as opposed to, you know, being able to be worship itself as well. And so this this teaching has really uh, brought me greater understanding and appreciation for how God can use the ministry of uh, music and worship as well. So... That's what stood out to me. And I love, Joel, that you've talked about the one that works uniquely with the way God's wired you. And Mm -hmm. so for everyone who's listening today, whether you are a musician or a singer or not, your life is meant to be a lifestyle of worship. And you can't live a prophetic life if you're not living a lifestyle of worship. And so you'll find one that is wired for your personality and the way God has made you. And we celebrate that today. And so what we're going to do to finish off this first episode is we're going to take a few moments in stillness and surrender and we're going to use some of yours Amar here, Joel. We're going to put a, a bit of a stillness track in here and we're going to pray. And right at the start of this time, for those of you who are following along in the workbook, this is actually in the workbook and you can take your time to journal through this. So what we're going to do is we're going to pop that track on. I wonder if you could just find a space. Um, hopefully you're not driving right now. If you are, hit pause and do this later. But we're going to take a few deep breaths. I just want you to intentionally slow your breathing. Perhaps you want to open your hands in your lap and let me pray for you. Lord Jesus, we surrender ourselves to you as a sacred and living sacrifice. We choose to live in holiness, experiencing all that delights your heart. This is our proper response to your marvellous mercies. And we want this to be our genuine expression of worship to you. Would you help us to stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around us and to be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of the way we think about worship 
we know that this will empower us to discern your will as we live the beautiful lives you have blessed us with. As we go on this journey of learning more about how to express our love to you, as we learn about the heroes who have worshipped for generations before us, would you speak to us? Would you grow us? And would you make us more like Jesus? Let your word transform us from the inside out. Divide between our soul and spirit. Discern the thoughts and the intentions of our hearts. We yield to you. In Jesus' name. Amen. So Joel, that prayer was personalised from Romans 12 and Hebrews 4. Again, um, we've provided a bit of space in the workshop for you to journal anything God might have said to you. We do want you to go a little bit deeper and so use the prompts in the workbook and it includes asking the Holy Spirit to highlight if there's anything you are worshipping in your life above him. And this is something I do regularly because it slips into our lives because we are living in a very strong culture that is not biblical. And so I recommend doing this alone. But then if you're in a worship team, why don't you share and chat about this? Or perhaps you want to post on social media what God speaks to you about. In fact, in the back of the book, the questions have been framed to help you discuss the content with your worship team. So I want to encourage you to do that. Joel, thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks so much for having me again. I really appreciate you, Joel, and love what you brought out in the conversation today. And I'm sure we'll have you back on the podcast again soon. But next week, we are back with episode two of the Worship Is Collection, and we'll be talking about worship as medicine. Now, I captioned it that way. You might not have been expecting it, but that is one of my captions and the experience of my life. Funnily enough, it's also biblical and scientific. Whoa, mind blown. Worship is medicine. And I'll be including an interview with a friend of mine who is a music therapist. You do not want to miss it. It will blow your mind too. Think of that little emoji with the brain sticking out. So make sure you do come back next week. And thanks again for rating and reviewing this podcast. It helps us reach more people. Big love from Joel and I. See ya. See ya.